Welcome. As if having a soccer elimination from Croatia in the quarterfinals of the World Cup was not bad enough for Brazil, there's also political instability. You might have seen the scenes some days ago where fans of the previous president, Jair Bolsonaro, were attacking the Congress. So we're going to discuss this today, not only with Mark, who's here with us, but also with Mateus Pacini. So Mateus is the guy who's running Objectivismo Brazil. Go and check it out. It is the main uh, objectivist uh, organization in Brazil, and he will give us his perception on what is happening. Before we start with uh, with Mateus and Mark, let me give a quick recap of what has happened in Brazil in the last two months so that our audience can follow. So in October, we had the presidential elections, two rounds. The first round, Lula, the, pres- the former president in the early 2000s, still I think 2012, who then spent some time in prison allegedly for political corruption. Then he was uh, freed again. So Lula was against Bolsonaro. So it was a left versus right to think about it, uh, a political conflict. So Lula won the first round, and but not with enough percentage so as to give him uh, the presidency. So in the first round, you have to get above 50%. So Lula and Bolsonaro, only the two of them, went to the second round. And Lula, sorry, Bolsonaro, Jair Bolsonaro, the right-wing president of uh, who was president in these elections before the second round and actually before even the first round he was claiming that there will be election fraud the same thing that trump did he said if i lose these elections there's something which is which looks suspicious and the question the the challenge was about whether the electronic voting system was uh, reliable Hold this for a second. We're going to get back to that. We've got the second round, and Lula, the left winger, wins by the smallest margin that the president has ever won, something like uh, 50.9%. To put it in numbers, Lula won 2 million more votes than Bolsonaro. Now, 2 million might sound a lot, but we're talking about a country of 214 million people. So it was a very, 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 very small margin. The fans of Bolsonaro immediately started talking about election fraud. Bolsonaro himself didn't directly say that there was an election fraud. But uh, in the first hours, he was quiet. Then he said, uh, I will not challenge the transition of power. But he didn't say that he accepts the result as legitimate results. But in the last, in the next weeks, so in the first, we are now, let's say, somewhere in the middle of November, Bolsonaro makes an official appeal to the highest electoral court, saying that the the electronic vote system, so those who voted via a particular electronic system, these votes should not count. And if these votes would not count, Bolsonaro would be the president. The election uh, office, uh, the election court uh, declined Bolsonaro's claim. Since then, Bolsonaro went to the United States. His son is also there. Allegedly, he met with Trump. Allegedly, he met with Steve Bannon. And the point was, the question was, how can we challenge this election? So throughout this time, fans of Bolsonaro keep protesting and claiming that the election was stolen. And actually, some of them are inviting the army to intervene and inviting the army to do something. And this culminated some days ago in January 8th, when they attacked, when they occupied 
the building of the Congress in Brasilia. The capital of Brazil is not Rio, as most of us thought. It's actually Brasilia. So here's where we are today. We are Bolsonaro is in the in, in the states, yeah. but his fans still claim that this election was stolen. So Mateus, was this uh, was this uh, is this what has been happening? And what's your first take on uh, on the last two months of political instability in Brazil? Uh, well, thanks for the invitation again to to be here with you. It's a pleasure to be discussing uh, Brazil uh, through an objectivist lens. So, um, if the election was stolen, I'm not a software engineer. I mean, there are many uh, analyses made, not just in Brazil, but also in the States that are available on YouTube and stuff like that. So there are some suspicious numbers. There are cities, for example, where Lula got, for example, 300 votes against one or against zero votes from Bolsonaro. Uh, cities that where Bolsonaro went and had many people cheering for him. I mean, he went to the cities personally. So, I mean, uh, we can discuss that and, and there might be some kind of, uh, of cheating involved. But uh, at the end of the day, uh, we cannot make such a declaration. So the, technically the problem was related to, to the software uh, from 2016 backward. So there are several kind of lots uh, from 2010, 2012, 2016, 2020. The 2020 machines technically didn't have any, any problem, which were updated with the 2020 uh, software version. So that was the claim made. And, uh, but, but really the, the point is, is that Lula uh, got elected. He's now in, in power. And uh, the things that happened uh, last Sunday uh, was were really terrible for any person trying to defend this new hard right uh, coming from Bolsonaro, and uh, and of course gave uh, Lula some leeway time to to try to use the 100 first days, right? The first 100 days every government has to to try to implement uh something so our congress uh gets back on february 1st and uh there is a majority pro bolsonaro technically because you know that politicians change their minds quite easily so we expect to have a an uphill battle uh, for the approval of any of lula's ideas and and projects so let's make this clear to people. So in Brazil, you have the president and the people vote for the president, but they also vote for the two legislative bodies, the equivalent in some ways of the Congress and the Senate. And in the Congress, which is the two bodies together, Bolsonaro and the, the right wing, to put it this way, has the majority. So Brazil has a left wing president, but he hasn't got a free reign in, in the parliament. Now, Mark, it looks like that the new narrative is that whenever there are some elections, people already have the suspicion in advance that if they lose, 
it will be up to some uh, electoral fraud. And the obvious question here is, is just Bolsonaro copying Trump? Because there are many similar things. The one similar is that before the election, he claimed that if I lose, uh, keep in mind there's, there might be fraud. There has also been the claim that social media and, quote, big tech has been in a fight against Bolsonaro already from March 2020 when they took down his video where he was taking hydrochloroquine when he had his COVID. So, and after the election, he went to the official uh, appealing, let's say, court, and then his fans took the situation in their own hands. So, is this a? It looks like there's a copycat from uh, the U.S., and this looks like to be the playbook of the right these days. It does, it does, and I think his his visit with Trump sort of, you know, bears witness to that. Um, my concern is that this is going to be the template from now on, right? Anytime, anytime there's a dissatisfied party in an election, they can claim election fraud, they can claim malfunctioning equipment, uh, and uh, and try to get those uh, results overturned by force. Now, people, we, we've I think conditioned people over the last uh, couple of years, at the beginning of the COVID pandemic, when when we started experiencing riots across the United States here that it's okay to get what you want uh, through force. So now people think that, you know, that's just a political statement. Violence is just another means of, of putting your political point of view out there and trying to actually win the public over through through violence. So I, I my concern is this is, is habitual now. Now we're going to start seeing this from here on in. And the, the point is, there needs to be a way to make sure that even the most suspicious person, or at least people who are willing to think, that they are all 100% sure that the elections are transparent. Because we hear from uh, Mateus, and I've heard from other people that, yeah, there is a possibility that something was wrong with the system. So that's not very reassuring, Partic- and particularly in very polarized times. And it's very weird that in in country, for example, like Greece, where you had political polarization forever, where you've had elections, where uh, a lot of things were in stakes. It was almost never an issue that people thought that there was a uh, electional fraud or interference. Because what happens is in every school, because the elections take place at school, over the the, 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 the the these big boxes where you have the the, the votes, there are representatives from every party. And literally, they, they measure every every vote. So now that we've transitioned to more uh, advanced or alternative forms of voting, there needs to be a way where it's totally clear to people that everything is uh, everything is, is okay. So, Matthew, yeah. so what's the, the idea? What's just the, to, yeah, just to 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 complement the last thing you said, uh, there was a project uh, uh, trying to to make sure that you you were able to take like a printed copy yeah of your and that worked apparently the printed copy worked yes except i mean for this election we we didn't have this so okay we we could not know for that that's why people try to use this uh uh this uh, narrative because i i was not able to really verify if my vote voted was counted as i did it so people began to to use this argument uh, to try to 
to turn oh, things so around. Oh, so it's the equivalent of, let's say you make an online purchase, but you don't get a verification email. So exactly. you don't know, now that I pressed uh, submit, did I vote or did I? Yeah, that's not a good way to... Yeah, I don't. Maybe, for example, if I went to the Supreme Court where they held, where they have all the votes, and then I tell them what at what time I went to a to a specific place because I had my cell phone and I was able. Maybe I am able to check somehow, but that's not functional, right? Right. So yeah. You so this is never know. the claim <laughs> of the people who say that the election was legit. They say that somewhere. There's a record of everyone who voted, and that record is that record stands. That record is is okay. Another thing that I found interesting in these elections is that one could see the conservatives in the the dissident, the countercultural conservatives or the Trumpite conservatives jumping full on on this narrative. So Tucker Carlson said two things. The one thing is that the election was rigged, but the other thing he said is that Lula, whom he presented as a criminal, he said Lula is on a trajectory to make Brazil a China-like dictatorship. And also that Lula has good relationship with the Chinese Communist Party. Now, whatever it, Tucker Carlson says, I take it with many, many pinches of salt. If he tells me today is Thursday, I'm going to check my calendar to see if it's a Friday. But yeah, is there I any, mean, is, I there mean any Lula, is, is there anything on that? I mean, Lula is a, is a socialist. He's a professional socialist since the 80s. So uh, if, I, if you ask me if he, he wanted to have something like Cuba, China or something like that, yes, probably yes. Uh, the, the ideas and, the, for example, economic plans he's trying to to, to make sure to approve soon our censorship of the media. He's already doing that together with the Supreme Court. Several politicians got their social media blocked. Now Sorry, they are what's going... The, what's the justification? What's his excuse for that? Fake news. Because oh, the Supreme okay. Court is... Yeah, they, they, they say that now they have... Lula uh, actually is trying to create like a ministry of truth. He wants to create to put into law uh, that you cannot do fake news. But even in the first days of his own government, his own ministries are publishing fake news of one another. They are fighting against each other. So if there was not that Sunday event, probably we are going, we would be for, for the first time in history to have a two-week government in a deep in, in a deep internal crisis. Because they are fighting against each other, so uh, it, it is it's totally crazy. I mean, uh, but uh, it's nice to to step back a little uh, for people who don't don't know our our last twenty years. So we have fourteen years with Lula, with that uh, that idea of spending a lot, no fiscal responsibility. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna be for the poor. I'm gonna help them. So he had eight years. He had uh, the advantage of the commodity boom. So Brazil kind of grew. And then came Dilma. And then she had to pay the Dilma price. Dilma Rousseff, who was yeah. also from the same political milieu. So there was this social democrat platform from Lula who didn't work. 
So from 2014 onwards, until Bolsonaro got elected, then we had like a, re a conservative resurgence with religion in the mix, with politics and stuff like that. So people were tired of the Lula version. They were not getting, like, there's a, there's a joke now that uh, Lula would, if he won, he would distribute picanha, which is the best part of the beef from uh, here in Brazil. So uh, Bolsonaro came and said, well, this didn't work. I'm going to join with a religion and other conservatives, and I'm going to present a different, uh, a different option. He got elected. There was the pandemic. He decided to... He, he's a terrible politician in the sense he doesn't know how to deal with people at all. So he has no social skills, soft skills. And then he was able to lose the election because Lula didn't win. Bolsonaro lost. And that's Bolsonaro's a hard truth. Bolsonaro's performance in the election was one, I think, one of the worst, if not the worst, of a, a, a sitting president. But, but the point is this. So we know Lula. You're right. We've seen Lula. He was the, the, the star, the, the homeboy of the, of the two, early 2000s left. He was supposedly this alternative model to neoliberalism. And yet... Mark, somehow the right makes such a fool of itself where now Lula is, looks like the serious guy. Like, okay, the choice in Brazil is this leftist who is not a complete nutter and these nutters who attack the Congress and who before the election told us that if we lose, it's uh, because of fraud. So what to choose from these two evils? Yeah, you can't really choose. But uh, I mean, the, the right makes a fool of itself because it it has uh, divorced itself from rationality deliberately. And it ceded that to the left, right? The left has the intellectuals and the academic and the academics and the right are in rebellion against academia. And they're in rebellion against some of the the the, the more egregious anti-conceptual things that the, the left is putting out there in the culture. But it winds up becoming a rebellion against reason Per, qua reason, you know, so um, and then they embrace tradition and religion as the alternatives to to rationality. So it's really hard to take them seriously about anything. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, don't don't take me wrong. Uh, Bolsonaro did a good job in terms of economic freedom. I mean, he had Paulo Guedes, which is known also in the United States as a finance minister. So he, he had many good things. I had many friends of mine in the Ministry of Economics and Finance. So they did well. But we know that any kind of economic measure, measure can be overthrown the day after a new government takes place. So this is not the, 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 the realm where we can get long-term results. So what, what uh, the, the left, what the right had to, to use uh, after Bolsonaro to pray for God? I mean, <laughs> there's much, not nothing more, more to, to do because it's just uh, if you see the pictures, for example, you're going to see several uh, um, descriptions of, I mean, God, which is in Portuguese, Deus. So you're going to see in the, the placards, you're going to see several... Uh, references to these things, family, which is familia in Portuguese. So uh, 
it, it's always the same thing, uh, the fight against abortion, the family, the tradition, the conservative tradition. Many of the well, well-read conservatives, they go back to the 800s to discuss our, our historical uh, heritage, the many good politicians, conservative politicians we had in the 1850s, uh, a little bit before our independence. That's fine, and we should understand and know what they did right, no problem, but that doesn't change the, the reality we are living now. It doesn't yes. touch philosophy. It's just yes, going back and read a book. And that's fine, but it doesn't change anything. Here's how I would sum up the problem. The conservatives can be sometimes good in economics. As you said, uh, Bolsonaro was one of these people. But they have nothing in terms of a positive vision in the realm of ideas. So what do they do? They enter the field of the culture wars. And they do it in a way which is absolutely almost comical. It's they do it in a way where they're, I mean, see who they went to meet in the United States, Steve Bannon. Like, is Steve Bannon going to save your campaign or is Steve Bannon the way to go if you want to? I mean, that says it all. So they have this dead end. We cannot only rely on economics. We have no philosophy, no positive philosophy. Therefore, either we're going to throw our own vision of collectivism or we're going to uh, engage in the culture wars and own the libs. So you saw, for example, Bolsonaro talking a lot about uh, uh, woke. Uh, he even, I think, talked about transgender, critical race theory, all these things. So it, it's copycat from what's happening in the States. But I'll say one thing. I was surprised that many football stars in Brazil supported Bolsonaro. This would be unthinkable in any other country. So Neymar was an obvious example. Rivaldo played in my team in Greece, AK Athens. I'm, I've seen Rivaldo play and actually I've seen him score. So, But, but that's, that's unimaginable in the UK. You'd never imagine in the UK almost half of the football players of the national team supporting the Tories. So this shows that Although in a clumsy way, Bolsonaro has had some success in the so-called culture wars. The point is, do you actually, is this the way to go? Like no. by falling so low as to be the Trump of Brazil. No, as you said, uh, there, there is a, this tendency of trying to, to uh, portray, to, to project the U.S. situation into our election. But uh, if you consider our left here in Brazil, it is years behind in terms of uh, like intellectual capacity to do damage. It's really raw. There are not many good intellectuals in the left that you could consider to be really influencing the culture right now. So it's just about uh, giving a, uh, public, uh, for example, in public, uh, uh, when you to to become a public employee, so you have to to go through a test. So they they use affirmative action, this kind of raw policies, and you have the some companies trying to get advantage of the public of the black and gay community, which is everywhere in the world. But uh, the main argument for Lula right now. I mean, when he got elected, was that he was uh, for love and peace 
and uh, he would be the hero of the poor. So this is like I'm, you are referring to 15 years old. Exactly. So Bolsonaro was able to lose an election against this kind of argument. It's not critical race theory, which yeah. is um, a more evolved form of criticism, social criticism. No, he, he lost against love and peace which is i don't even know what they want to what what they want to uh, transmit i mean with this kind of w- concepts okay so it's let incredible. me let me I see idea, let's go I to think, mark and in the meanwhile i'll see what the audience says i think the idea isn't to trans transmit much i think the idea is to put sort of a stem cell out there and let it tra- mutate into whatever anybody thinks it should be right so peace and love means something different to everybody and that's great it, it has the widest appeal possible you can make it into anything you want you don't have to get specific about it i think the left i think the left has that market the bromide market cornered so thank you marilyn thank you so free trade free trade says something interesting he said there should be open sourced Uh, systems in the elections. He brings the example of blockchain to eliminate uncertainty about fraud, tampering, etc. Yeah, but try talking to the government about blockchain and open source. Uh, they're going to stare at you as if you're talking well, Greek. That, that, but that might have purchase in some states. I mean, we still live in a federalist system in the United States. The states are still supposed to have primary control over the way their elections go. And that could be very sellable to a few states and if those states use them successfully it could be a it could be a guide for other states to do the same indeed and and also uh, um we we didn't discuss that but uh our election system is not per district so for example i live in, in my state rio grande do sul which has 400 cities i am able to vote to a candidate which is like 400 kilometers far away from where I live. So the, at, at the end of the day, the candidate I vote for uh, doesn't need to have any relationship to my district. Mm. So, so you don't get real representation at all. At the end of the day, I, I voted for a person, which of course lives in my state, but it's so far away from me that I'm not able even to have a like a state level impact. I don't, well, I don't get in touch with that person. And he's representing a demographic, as you said, that isn't your demographic, right? If, exactly. if we, elected, we, elected, we elect an official, they live in San Francisco, that's very different from Los Angeles, which is very different from San Diego, which right. is very different from Reading. So that's why people, at the end of the day, they don't care a lot about who they vote for, deputy or senator. Senator. Because they don't really know the person. I mean, I've never... Well, got, The only I've time I felt passionate him. about a local representative was a guy who built a lot of uh, CrossFit uh, open gyms that during the pandemic, they were very, very, very useful. So sometimes people can't make a change. So Ashley Shragged uh, is, is, talks about the regulation of quote faking news and says the emperor is naked. Indeed, this is like regulating fake news is literally censorship. This is exactly what censorship is, when the government does it. And in Brazil, as Mateus told us, it was not only social media companies who did this, they were also the authorities who engaged in uh, 
deciding what is fake news or not, which falls in the category of censorship. Apollo, Zeus has a very good question. Why is the main reason that Latin America countries have major swings between extreme left and the right? There is no, there's no clear philosophy in the population. So they, they well, there's kind no of... clear philosophy in Europe, but they vote boring centrist uh, empty cells. Yeah, I, I think there is there's something to do with the, the victimhood personality, which is uh, rampant here in Latin America. From this, the 60s, when you see uh, the, the economic theories that were adopted here, there is always uh, the, the center in, the, in that uh, Europe that were exploring Latin America and ex- extracting the mineral resources from the fi- 1500s onwards, when there's, well, there was the colonization here from Portugal and Spain. So the same narrative from has more than 500 years old. It's more than 500 years old. And also and there's... And it changes, it mutates, like Mark said. And there's a very painful history in Latin America of dictatorships of the right. So in Latin America, as in Greece, anti-communism is not related to an ideological view. It's related to torture chambers and uh, uh, military thugs uh, doing doing coups. So last I I get the sense, I get the sense, Nikos and, and Mateus, you can tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, many of the c- countries that were colonized by Europe, they placed in certain social and political hierarchies that when they were overthrown were just replaced by the people from the bottom who imitated those social, they, those same social and political hierarchies. So, you know, they, they grew up with, you know, the strong man and then they replaced one strong man with another. Essentially, they didn't have the, as, as Matthias said, the philosophical uh, foundation to understand that that's wrong on both sides of the island. Yeah, it's exactly. wrong. So uh, that's what we saw in our independence movement. There was no war. If you check history, they just uh, gave some kind of coup and they took out the, the person who was in and then they, they took over, like Mark said. But they were not prepared. They didn't have any new option going forward. So just they the, just took from there and, and so on. So we had more two- than nine constitutions in less than 100 years so how can nine constitutions well that's that gives greece a run for its money and of course every constitution doesn't protect you from the government every constitution is about what the government so for example in the greek constitution you have that it's not allowed to have private universities here's a constitution which is protecting the government from uh, from people final two uh, super chats thank you jeff and many thanks to Walter for your contributions. Now, there is one place where there's no fake news, where there are no riots, and this is going to be the Iron Run conference in, not in Brazil, but in a country equally, if not more beautiful, Greece. So, 17th of April or 17th, because you can either take the conference or the package that includes also the excursion. 7 till 10th of April, we have the big conference of the Anron Institute in Europe in Athens. We're going to discuss philosophy. We're going to go. We're going to walk where Aristotle walked. Literally, we're going to have great Greek food. Greek Greece in the spring is very beautiful. So I'm sure Daniel will give us uh, the link in the chat or just 
Google Ayn Rand con Europe 2023 Athens. Now, Mateus, thank you very much for being with us and giving us this update of the crazy things happening in uh, Brazil. Again, it seems to be the order of the day that everyone has their own reality and uh, whatever, the, the, any stuff that we see in the US, soon we see anywhere else. Back in the day, we used to say whatever happens in the US after 15 years, it happens to the rest of the world. Now it literally happens a year later. So many thanks to Mateus. Many thanks to Mark for your time and for your contribution. Hey, yeah. I just wanted to say real quick, uh, my reality check drops today on environmentalism. So check it out. And also I'm part of a documentary called Capitalism Reimagined. Um, it's right now it's streaming on, on YouTube, but you can check it out. If you go to my Twitter page, I've, I've, uh, I've retweeted it for anybody who wants to see it. They can watch it. Yeah. So if you go to YouTube and put a uh, capital is reimagined, you see this uh, documentary Mark is featured in it, but you will see other uh, figures. You will know, you'll see Douglas Murray, for example, there, and, uh, you'll see Mark looking, uh, suave black on black as I've tried to persuade Yaron Brook to, to have this black on black uh, red coat. So check this out and go again on uh, Mark's Twitter and see his latest reality check. So that's all uh, in two hours, actually not in two hours. At, yes, at 8 p.m. UK time in the other channel of ARC UK with the short clips, there is the briefly objective with Harry Binswager on the rise of antisemitism. Gentlemen, Thank you very, very much. Long live uh, Brazil. Long live Ribo. Yes, what? One last thing. All the reality checks episodes, they have uh, Portuguese subtitles on Mark uh, YouTube channel. So if you are from Brazil and you don't know English that well, you are able to, to check it in Portuguese as well. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, Mateus. Thank you very much, man. Thanks. Excellent. Thanks, guys. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah. Thanks, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.